Hi, welcome back to episode 14 of Speak Like a CEO. Today on the show, we have Berlin startup original and friend of the show, Christoph Betke, as well as Anna Richard, the Joan of Arc of social entrepreneurship and CEO and co-founder of the Ready School of Digital Integration, teaching coding skills to refugees and asylum seekers. Today, our guests talk about a common passion, mentoring. What makes a good mentor? From being curious and empathetic, our guests share some personal stories on what it takes to be the best mentor you can be, one of which even includes a visit from Mark Zuckerberg. Enjoy. The thing that I was really fascinated by, and it always have been, is uh, people. Finally, technology did something. I'm wondering what would be the single most valuable piece of advice you'd give us. We found what we loved to do. That people with passion can change the world for the better. That's what we believe. Hi, welcome back to Speak Like a CEO. Today we're talking about mentorship, and we've got not one, but two entrepreneurs here with us to do so. We've got Christoph Rethke, serial entrepreneur and founder of the Berlin Startup Academy, and Anne Richard from the Ready School. Welcome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So I'm really curious to um, know how you, Christoph and Anne, know each other. But before we start, um, quick rapid fire for Anne. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Do you work better early in the morning or late at night? Late at night. Who's your biggest inspiration? Mahatma Gandhi. Most used app on your phone? Google Maps. Uh, Facebook or Twitter? Facebook. And one thing on your bucket list? Go to Greenland. Cool. Is that because it's part of Denmark as well? (laughs) No. Well, now it's Christmas, but I really, I have this idea, I want to take December off and go and work for Santa Claus and actually write letters to children from all around the world just for an entire month. I think this would be the most amazing thing to do, so... That's definitely a bucket list. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, Christoph, why don't you tell us, how did you guys meet? I actually remember, because the guys asked me previously, I think uh, a a joint friend, Weston, introduced Mm -hmm. us many years back when before the the refugee thing became a thing uh, on a party. And uh, at the time, I was... Um, not very fond of social entrepreneurs and Weston said, well, this is Anna. She's like the, she's leading the, the masses. She's the Jeanne d'Arc of uh, social <laughs> entrepreneurship. And I was like, okay, so that probably means that she's an airhead, too idealistic, naive, you know, and won't ever get things done. Uh, and uh, it didn't take long for me to be uh, convinced of the opposite. And in the years since, like when, when really school started, I loved the idea. I'm, I'm so extremely convinced that the best thing that we can do for, for migrants is to take them out of their status as migrants and turn them into colleagues and fellow country people and enable uh, them to be just, you know, like our friends, to be with us on the, on the same table and um, uh, take advantage of the opportunities that we have. And uh, I, I don't know of any program that is, number one, so specific and good in achieving that, that, just that. And that's also very close to my industry, you know, so that I can relate, that I can support, that, you know, can spread the word, be a mentor myself. That's the story, I think, of, of our relationship. Now I know why you didn't want to talk to me at that party. <laughs> no, I do remember as What's well. What's your side of the story then? Well, I remember there was this rooftop. Um, it wasn't a rooftop um, overlooking oh, Berlin. Oh, good parties start on a rooftop in yeah. Berlin. <laughs> so very true. Um, no, I, I, I do actually remember because I love being challenged. And, and of course, I am a very idealistic person, but the business side of me is also very strong. And I like people that have opinions and like to challenge opinions and have clear points of view. And, and that's also what really resonated with me um, meeting the first time. So it was more like, okay, here's some real fighting to get done and some good conversations to be had. Um, 
and it's been like that ever since. I very much appreciate it. You seem it. to have brought Christopher around to your point of view to some extent. Yeah, but maybe mm. he's brought me around too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've I've learned quite some from these examples. I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm supporting actively supporting another social entrepreneurship organization called Project Together, and and what really makes a difference is 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 the mindset of the people. Uh, behind it. Yeah? I mean, uh, we all agree on the necessity to develop a business model, to make it sustainable, to not always depend on somebody handing out money to us, uh, and that we can't like keep in the idealistic corner and wait for others to help us out you know, with money and resources. And uh, what, what I'm, I started to notice back then is that more and more people who are not at all you know, like idealistic and fuzzy and, and kind of kind-hearted, but, but business-minded and really good at what they do, they're taking these qualities into social entrepreneurship. And that's what makes it, you know, I would say finally uh, worth working with. And that's what has brought me around. So Baby School is one example for that. Project Together is another example. There's more. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there are already some companies which have sprung out of the Ready, Ready School, I think. Is that correct? Yeah, several. Um, I think the most known is um, Bureaucracy, which is a project by three of our students um, that was really conceptualized in a design thinking workshop on the first day where we asked our students to go into groups and work on one of the issues or the challenges that they have in their daily life in Berlin. And bureaucracy still remains a, a huge topic in Germany, not just for refugees. Um, so they were thinking about what if the experience of working with German bureaucracy was like the experience we have when we work with Amazon. And we know exactly where our papers are, at what point in time, when can we assume that the next step of the process will be done so that you can actually plan your life. They, since then, haven't been able to launch because German bureaucracy turned out to be even more bureaucratic <laughs> than expected. Um, but they, they keep working on it. They're still looking for, for supporters um, to help bring the app to the, to the next level. But what I really like about the, the idea is that it, it was conceptualized by newcomers to Germany because they see German society from a different angle and therefore they see new opportunities to improve it. And eventually when Bureaucracy will be launched into the market, this has the opportunity to not just help refugees, but to also help Germans, other foreigners coming into the country, but on the other hand side, also the German bureaucrats, because we really do need to work on e-governance in Germany. It's a huge challenge um, to make it more efficient, um, to also hopefully save money and make sure that there's more social good to go around. This is certainly like a big project to be tackling, I guess. Um, and I wanted to know, what was your kind of motivation um, to start Ready School back in 2015, was it? Did you always want to be a social entre entrepreneur or did you just want to be an entrepreneur and have a startup? If you had asked me when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a war correspondent. I really wanted to be a journalist. <laughs> um, but when the time to, to actually start studying came around, I realized that there's a school called the Chaos Pilots in Denmark that is working on entrepreneurship, leadership, project management. Um, so I went there for three years and, and there I really learned about value-based leadership. And, and that is, it doesn't matter if that's in a for-profit or non-profit business, but they have to stay true to your values. Um, so that has always been sort of the resonance in everything that I have done working as a corporate consultant or corporate social responsibility, but also being a social entrepreneur running all kinds of projects for the last 10, 15 years. Um, I came to Berlin in 2012 to set up the Peace Innovation Lab together with Stanford University um, to create an online platform and a physical space where people 
both from the nonprofit and for-profit could come together to look at how do we combine social challenges or solve social challenges with the use of technology, um, but also to really create a network where people coming from for-profit and non-profit, from academia, from politics could actually get together, get used to having constructive discussions together and actually develop new solutions. Um, it grew into a community of 1,700 people over three years, which was amazing. And one of the, the challenges that we were looking at was, was the refugee crisis when it started developing in 2015. Um, in the middle of the crisis, you need to be able to respond really fast. And we had the community, so it was easy for us to get started. The real spark to really do the Ready School was a conversation that I had in a refugee camp with Mohammed a programmer from Baghdad um, who came to Germany, obviously without a laptop because you don't flee with a laptop under your arm. Um, and he was really scared that he would lose his programming skills because um, he would only sometimes be able to go to the local library and, and kind of continue learning. Um, and the saying is a little bit like, in the, if you're a programmer, if you don't use it, you lose it because the technology mm. changes so fast. Um, and, and through that conversation, I really realized that we can make such a big difference by, you know, just donating a laptop. Um, on the other hand, my second thought was, well, giving a laptop to a programmer is a little bit like giving a fish to a hungry man. So um, what would be the more systemic approach to this? And actually coming back to Weston, I had a conversation with him that same evening where, where we were discussing and he, he mentioned that he would really like to, to become a teacher as well. Um, then I did a posting on Facebook and, and I said, if we start a coding school for refugees, would you help? And the next morning I had 30 people wanting to help. And the business wow. was launched. That's how we got started. <laughs> now you're rolling out to other cities as well, I think? Yeah, we started in Munich um, last year, so we're one year old there now. It's wonderful because we actually got a phone call from the city of Munich that reached out and said, we really want a ready school here. What do we need to do to help you? And we were able to, to create a really good deal with them where we decided on what is the impact that we want to have. How many students do we want to have um, supported in the first year and decided on 50. Um, now, looking back one year later, the team has done amazing work and we've actually taught 350. So um, it's been rapid growth, which is amazing, also comes with challenges. Um, but it just shows that the idea is scalable and if all goes well, we'll be able to also start in Hamburg in 2019. That's super impressive. And Christoph, we've talked about this, I think, last time um, on the podcast. We talked about the different kinds of businesses or startups that you um, want to work with and what you're looking for. And I guess one of the things that was really important is, you know, is it scalable? Is the idea like, is the idea a good idea? Is the founder passionate? Um, and lots of other things. Would you say that Ready School ticked all the boxes for you? That's not really for me to say, and maybe it's also too early, because what, what do you measure that against? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's several ways how to achieve an impact. Uh, it's just so that, like, for my core uh, business, I chose the measure of, you know, commercial success uh, that eventually pays back into my coffer so that I can, you know, afford myself the lavish lifestyle that I always wanted. <laughs> you know? uh, but I'm very much aware that uh, there's other criteria that are at least as important and that follow different paths. And to an extent, I'm doing that too. Yeah? Like one thing is create things that make a positive impact on the earth. 
and that doesn't necessarily have to be like only social. I would say that most of my startups uh, that that I have invested in also have a positive impact. You know? Like one startup that uh, is in my portfolio, they do um, remodeling of uh, old people's homes so that they can uh, stay at home for longer instead of having to move to an old people's home. And they just don't do it as a social business. They do that as a fully commercial uh, platform business. But the impact is nonetheless extremely positive. So that is also a way to uh, go forward. And you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I've just defined it for myself that I wouldn't, wouldn't want to work with the next big shoe shop you know, that, that relies heavily on, on online marketing to sell even more shoes in a saturated market. That's just not what I want to do. That's boring. That's, that's a waste of, of time you know? uh, or like advertising technology. I, and there's probably money to be made with that. But, you know, everyone has the chance to optimize what they want to do according to their own um, values or what they think is interesting. So, uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm setting these uh, goals a little bit differently uh, and... Uh, Probably I'm also not willing to, or not good enough to sacrifice so much, yeah? like, like to put so much of my time and my talent into something that, let's say, provides a different kind of, of reward. But to an extent, I'm doing it, yes. Uh, as, as I said, yeah, I've been supporting Project Together. I've been, uh, I had two social uh, entrepreneurship startups in my accelerator program alongside non-social uh, entrepreneurship things. And I think that's something that needs to happen a lot more often uh, and, and not keep them separate in, in silos. So I do have my, my own thoughts on this and I, I'm willing to share what I have um, with anyone who wants to create a positive impact with the powers of technology and entrepreneurship. Mm. And one thing you, you two have in common is, is mentorship, and which is obviously quite central. And if you want to grow a business or actually, you know, like Ready School, it's a lot about mentoring and, and providing skills or helping people develop skills. Mm. So obviously mentoring is a lot about maximizing human potential and um, sort of be, be someone to cheer someone else on. Um, what, what is your approach to mentoring? Has that been um, something you, you enjoy or something came natural to you? Or why, why do you focus so much on mentoring other people? Um. I've received incredible, I've been a mentee for a long time mm. of, of incredible people who have really helped me forward and inspired me to do what I do today. So in many ways, it, it's kind of passing that on to other people and, and trying to help as much as I can. And being a mentor at Grace Accelerator is also for me a way to support more female entrepreneurs, because I think we have something like 16% female entrepreneurs, which is just really, really sad. And it's a huge opportunity to invest more because I think speaking on tap markets, um, women are becoming more empowered. They have more available capital. So let's also develop ideas for these markets. And I think women have an opportunity to do that really well because we have personal insights. So for me, it, it, it's a way to to try to help a little bit move the, the world forward in the direction that I would like to see it in. Um, but maybe as a bridge to, to why we do mentorship at Ready School, I think the, the old way of just being in a mentor and say, I'm going to give everything away to a mentee that can then take it. I think that that's an old fashioned way of looking at it. I think it's very much a, a back and forth where both the mentor and the mentee are learning in the same process. And, and it has to be that way as well, because if, if I give and I receive at the same time and I have a good experience in giving, then I'm more likely to also tell my friends, hey, really cool to be a mentor. You should do that as well. Um, and then the community just grows. And this is really what we try to focus on at Ready School. We have um, more than 250 incredible programmers who are working for us for free because they are having a really good experience. It's great leadership development mm -hmm. for them. 
to um, support our students to stand in front of a very different classroom of students. And it's exciting for us because we're building an incredible platform of tech talent that cannot just program. They can also actually teach. And I think that's the future of the digital world where you can both combine the digital skills and the human skills. And by creating that community and giving our mentors access to that community, where if they're in a business or they're building their own startup, they can tap into some of the other teachers and maybe build something with them or build something with our students and alumni. That's extremely exciting. So, so for me, that's always the, the thought that it, it, it's a give and take uh, yeah. at any point in time. At the same experience, so having great mentors yourself makes you much more motivated. And, and, and I totally agree that it's, it's a two-way street now, isn't it? And you learn, you, you teach, and there seems to be a psychological uh, desire to teach, but also to be taught and learn and grow. And I think growth, you know, personal growth equals happiness at the end of the day, right? Absolutely. So what do you all think, and I guess a question for everyone, makes a good mentor? I think, quite obviously, a good mentor should be a good communicator. And, and being a good communicator can mean different things. You don't have to be like a great orator, but there need to be uh, things that, that are important that you can present in a way that it helps others. Uh, that I think that's like the, the, the lowest common sense. And from then on, it's like how much you identify with it, how easy it comes to you, uh, how much fun it is um, for you, what the you know surrounding is in which you place yourself if, if mentoring is something that is uh, desired. Or you know maybe not because um, what Anna said. I mean, there is another aspect to it. Mentoring is something that is rather new because traditionally, you know, in in society, you either are a teacher and you have the qualifications of a teacher and you can carry the title of a teacher, or you don't teach classically, right? Mm. And um, mentoring is about everybody being able to become a teacher without having the qualifications, just based on his talent or his insight in a certain topic. Mm. And it just so happens that uh, with our society becoming ever more fast-paced and knowledge becoming ever more fast-paced, uh, there's no way how this traditional teaching ecosystem can, can keep up with that. There's just no way. Meaning that peer-to-peer -peer teaching, a.k.a. mentoring, is something that is uh, needed and necessary on a universal level. And that is something that's, I would really say, rather new, 20 years maybe. And it arrived in Germany much later because to mentoring it also, uh, part of it is that you can accept criticism or advice from someone who doesn't carry the title of, you know, teacher. It might be a colleague or uh, your boss or maybe even someone, an employee under you, you know. And in some surroundings, that was really hard to establish. I remember my, my years at Deutsche Telekom where offering advice to your colleagues would immediately be taken as criticism you know, fuck off, I know what I'm doing, right? And uh, that is, that is uh, changing, that is particularly changing um, in, like, you know, in, in the open digital society, if you will, like in, in our industry. Uh, and, and here it's like what everybody does and everybody sees as, as totally necessary. Uh, that is not yet the case everywhere. Yeah? And so you ask, like, what does it take to be a good mentor? Number one, that probably depends on uh, where you find yourself. And some surroundings, it's really easy and you're encouraged and you are being a mentee. And at the same time, you can become a mentor. And then others, not yet. Uh, and uh, I think it starts, as always, with the people who, to whom this comes really easy. Uh, like, uh, I don't know if it, that was always the case with Anna, but as she mentioned, yeah, she stood on the TEDx stage and probably, you know, it doesn't show, but... I'm pretty good at it too. Uh, most <laughs> people think that I can help them as a, as a mentor and I've done it a lot of times. And 
this is something that comes easy to me always it always has and for some there's, there's many people out there to whom this comes easy and who just embark on the journey and then more and more people are really drawn into this by these examples and in turn into mentors themselves and then build structures that are based on, on mentoring just as uh, Anna did with Ready School and as I did with my startup academy that relied on about 150 CEOs and investors from the Berlin startup scene who also However, apart from the identity as CEOs and investors, loved um, and, and saw how powerful this sharing of information between people uh, was and how much good they could achieve with this. That's how it started. Yeah, I think from my perspective, probably curiosity and empathy would be two in addition to communication skills, because I think it's, it's important that you're able to listen as a mentor, because the world has changed probably since we built our ideas and we'll be sitting in front of somebody who's going through certain things that might seem like the experience that I have also been through. But I shouldn't just be telling about my experiences. I should also be listening and see, is my experience actually relevant in this case? Um, and I would add a little bit of a good sense of humor. It never helps, but it just builds a relationship between the persons that are sitting together that you can experiment a little bit more while having fun at the same time. Yeah, I think that's a good point, not taking it too seriously. But uh, yeah, I think from my perspective, it's uh, it's this funny mixture of altruism and enlightened self-interest. I think if you help people along the way, um, everyone grows, you know, it lifts everyone's potential, but it also, you know, we rise by lifting others. So it's it's, it's a weird psychological mixture, which I quite enjoy to you know, to learn, but also to teach. And um, as I said, you know, having had great mentors myself and just passing it on and, uh, you know, just... Um, it's very it's a very enjoyable experience i think what makes a good mentor definitely communication i think it's a lot of mental agility thinking on your feet because um as you said on it's you know every, everyone is different so you really have to you need to care for people and listen and then decide what is right in that particular situation because a lot of people apply maybe too formulaic approach which is very if this happens then that but i don't think human interaction and human growth I think works like that there's one thing that is maybe not regarded often enough as essential and and i think that's skin in the game mm. you be, become a great mentor or the best mentors have some sort of skin in the game like with me it's it's quite obvious like hey i'm especially good and, and invested if i am invested you know like the the startups that i actually have shares in that of, of whose uh, success i profit you know there's a really like a connection that of course there's the empathy there's the communication skills but i have a real desire to stick to it you know and make it not a one-time thing but but really provide help again and again and open uh, roads and doors to other mentors as well and uh, you know obviously money doesn't have to be the only uh, aspect there like, but but i think it's important that you want to uh, achieve something for this team and that you or for the person that you're mentoring and that you in a way also profit from from his or her success like i think if, that's totally right i think yeah. um for me it seems to be that it has to be a partnership so yes you've like agreed that you know someone's a mentor and someone's a mentee or there's this kind of like teacher student relationship but that can also you know it can also be at the one level too right like you can be giving each other the complementary skills to both succeed together. Yeah, and I'm the, I quite like a quote which I found by you. Uh, by teaming up, one plus one equals three. <laughs> it quite nicely sums it up, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so following up um, from, you know, what makes a good mentor, have you ever found yourself in a situation where actually you realised it was the wrong kind of relationship or partnership or collaboration or mentee slash mentorship to be in and how do you get yourself out of that 
I've had different mentors over time, and, and I've had several mentors in parallel with each other. Um, and I think there's a certain time and place for a particular kind of interaction. Um, I've never had a real issue where I've needed to step out. I think it, it just became kind of clear that, that the time was over because I moved on, the person moved on, um, like physically going to a different country. Um, or if it was about, I don't know, public speaking or advertising, then um, when the need wasn't there anymore, then the mentorship also came to, to a natural end. But I, I keep in close contact with the mentors and keep them up to date, but maybe not as frequent as it, as it used to be. But let me think of something that went really wrong. Well, first of all, it's a really good answer. Yeah. Let's hope something didn't go wrong. <laughs> itching to tell a story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have, a, I have a really good answer with it, which is, uh, no, I've never experienced that. Uh, honestly, because uh, like a mentoring relationship um, uh, takes place uh, along the same veins as a, as a personal relationship, meaning that the moment that you feel that something's not right, you just step out. Um, unless, I don't know, like in personal relationships, like things can get too far when, I don't know, money or love or hate are involved. But uh, in that way, a mentoring relationship is often easier um, um, because, um, you know, there's a, there's a reason, there's a, there's a task at hand. And if both sides see that uh, you can't fulfill this task or that you don't feel well or that you can't, you know, contribute enough, then it, it, it's not at all a breakup or something or something that you shy away from, but rather really natural to not do it. Mm. And that's how all mentoring relationships out there are built. Uh, so, no, I, I haven't... I've seen, like, a few times, like, with the mentors that I worked with, like, in my accelerator program, that, that they... that I thought that they weren't as good or that I was not getting good feedback from the from the teams that I was working with. And then I simply didn't call them the next time around. And there was not a bad word spoken and there was no conflict. It was just that it shaped itself. So... Mm. It's, it's really low risk, making it even easier to get into the game for, for someone who hasn't yet tried being a mentor or being a mentee. Mm. Mm. And do you, do you yourself seek out mentors? And that, that's a question I'm quite interested in myself at the moment. I mean, once you reach the level of CEO and founder, what do you do? Do you still seek out mentors or is it just peer-to-peer -peer learning and, and advising? I don't have an active mentor right now. I have different people that I know I could always call when I have certain issues. I, I called up one guy who I wanted to be, not necessarily mentor, but sitting on our board. And he told me, Anna, I will never, ever sit on a board. They are so boring. Um, but if you have any questions at any point in time, you can always call. We can always have a coffee. But I do not want to be part of one of these formalized scenarios. Mm. Call me when you need it. And I'm always there. But we don't need to meet on a regular basis, which I thought was absolutely excellent advice um, and that's still the way that I kind of approach it keeping in close contact but but there needs to be something to be discussed I like that actually because it um, is a way more honest approach I think and yeah. then you know that when you're getting advice then it's real advice it's not oh, just because I had to say something because I'm on the board it's the same with me. Uh, there's, uh, I have thankfully uh, a lot of people who know more than I in specific areas uh, and, and who I can always call and where we have an, like an open um, conversation. But beyond that, uh, no, uh, there's no one I seek out. Like I said, said last time, my big mentor is Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor. Right? Yeah. Um, but uh, um, I totally understand and I totally encourage people who have like a big issue that they want to deal with 
you know, to, to seek out someone who's really good at, at solving these issues. Yeah? And that is something that probably is also flanking this whole mentorship movement that much more people are actively seeking out others to uh, ask advice for, for their personal or career-wise or relationship-wise challenges. And also, really, uh, a great deal of all the entrepreneurs that I know, like famous CEOs from Berlin and everywhere, if you talk to them, many of them have coaches, and a coach is a you know kind of a mentor as well. So uh, using a coach or mentor or whatever at any level of your career or proficiency uh, is what people do. Yeah, it's it's maybe twenty years ago that was totally different. Yeah, but it, it has been so much accepted, and uh, I'm absolutely for that. But I'm myself too stubborn <laughs> to to do it. <laughs> What's the best way do you think about going about finding a mentor? So say you've kind of identified that maybe you have a certain skill or you need some advice to take your, I guess, your business to the next level, how would you go about looking for a mentor? Actually, somebody approached me um, when I was given a, a keynote in, in a really, really smart way. And, and he came up and said, I have three different kinds of mentors. I have one mentor that I meet with once a year, ones that I meet probably every quarter, and one I meet every month. Um, would you be able to meet me once a year? And it was a very structured way of doing it. And it was very easy to just say, you know, I can meet once a year. Thing is, I have still not met him and, and it's largely overdue. But I just felt that it was so smart in the way that he approached it, making it really, really easy. Um, the way that I got my first mentor was, was also um, while um, I was attending a keynote that Anna Kira, um, who used to work with Microsoft, was doing. And, and I literally walked up and, and asked if she would be able to have a coffee with me. Um, we had a coffee and then afterwards I sent her a bucket of flowers <laughs> and um, she really, really appreciated that. And I think it's important to also recognize that people who are very busy are spending time. And I guess it came as a surprise as well. Everyone <laughs> enjoys having flowers sent to the office. And it's just a small thing um, to do. Um, maybe it's trickier if it's a man and a woman and you send flowers. But yeah, I think... It's, it's just a small tip to show appreciation. So that's a note to any of Anne's future mentees. Please send flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> it would probably be a bottle of wine or like a bottle of, of, of like percentage alcohol. Whiskey. Yeah. Or, yeah, whiskey do, you, or <laughs> do you think this kind of relationship can work there where you meet someone only once a year, for example, or for a one-off coffee? Do you think that can really be valuable? Or do you think that's kind of like the first meeting you need to kind of suss out whether you want to, you know, fully commit to this? Or do you think you can have these different levels of mentorship? I definitely think you can have different levels. It, it depends on the, the place that the mentee is at. Um, just meeting once a year to test your way of thinking or to be moved outside of the box um, or even get new contacts, um, you can achieve that even just by meeting once. And we can't let you go on without asking about Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Angela Merkel, who came to visit your school. <laughs> so, we just have to ask, you know, is, uh, did you meet them? How was it? How was the visit? Was it, you know, um, what did you get out of it? <laughs> um, because it's a photo op for them, but what, what did you, you know, and your your team and your pupils? Exactly. Who are these guys next to Anna? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who is this woman with the yeah. funny hair? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, this nerd, you know. Yeah. <laughs> How did um, they get to meet Anna? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it always happens through through having a good network and, and I think doing a steady good job over time. Um, so it doesn't just happen overnight. 
I really appreciate that Mark and Priscilla both came to the school together and, and this was in the middle of the, the so-called refugee crisis. Um, so I think the timing was right. They were in Berlin to give a, a big town hall um, keynote here. Um, and, and they are, and you can feel that when you meet Mark and Priscilla, they are super interested in also giving back in, in the same way that we see Bill Gates and, and Melinda Gates. Um, so I guess they're, they're really trying to inform themselves to see what to do with their fund. Um, they're very different people. Um, I was super impressed with Priscilla. I mean, she's a doctor, but extremely empathetic, was extremely good in, in talking to our students. And just seeing the interaction between Mark and, and Rami, one of our students from Syria, just sitting and geeking out on like the future of artificial intelligence and seeing, yes, it's a some people will call it a refugee and a, and a billionaire having a conversation with each other. But if you just change the perspective, it's just two geeks who are talking about a shared digital future. And this is what we're trying to do every day at Ready School. So in many ways, yes, there are two guys sitting in great t-shirts having a talk. They're probably more or less the same age. It's just a matter of changing the perspective and bringing people together. Yeah. And I think that actually shows really nicely what seems to happen, I guess, in Berlin all over the world is that you have these, you know, social entrepreneur startups that are collaborating with corporates. Um, and I guess that gives you a lot of hope, you know, for the fact that any kind of entrepreneurship is good entrepreneurship. Fair statement. <laughs> you know, everyone, you know, anyone from Berlin can work with Mark Zuckerberg. You know, there is something there that's kind of cool. Yeah, but I think, it, again, it's these sort of things that gets into the media, but the joy of building something new mm. together and, and see if it really works, is that's, that's what's bringing you forward, not these things that get into the media or the statements or the awards that you win. Um, I definitely know that's true for me, that seeing our students be super happy and get into work and come back and become teachers and mentors, that, that's what makes it all worthwhile. That's very nice. And um, before we let you go, we wanted to ask you, what, what's the best communications advice that you can give or that you have received uh, in any context? That's sort of one of our closing statements we always like to ask because it you know, forces us to be a bit more to the point, a bit pithy. I think it would be remember to ask for help mm -hmm. um, because the better you are at asking for help, the more help you will also receive. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people, well, we're talking about mentorship. If you ask people and make them feel like experts. They feel really good too in the process. And yeah, um, asking many questions, many smart questions that also challenges the people that are next to you um, definitely brings both people forward. Mm. It's harder than it sounds, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> and for you, Krista. <laughs> I mean, uh, in, in, in my commercial world, there's a saying that says, uh, ask for advice and you might get money. Yeah. So it's, it's the same kind of trick. You approach people and, and see, uh, like, on the one hand, you see if you can get, like, some, some smart insights. On the other hand, with the right questions, you also show that you're at a point where you can ask the right questions, where you're aware of your situation, and that establishes, um, uh, like, a, a certain trust. You know, if, if somebody comes up to me and asks me the right question about something that he does, I'm much more likely to think about maybe investing more into, into what they do. Uh, so, like, being able to ask for advice in a, in a way that shows that you know what you're doing is already a great um, feat of professionalism. Yeah? And that is, I think, uh, it's, it's, it sounds contradictory, yeah? like you're asking for something or asking for advice, which seems to show that you're, that you're ignorant of something. But in fact, it shows your proficiency and your prowess in getting support and uh, also having analyzed your own situation 
in a way that enables you to, to ask smart questions. And that's uh, totally important. And that will impress anyone uh, who, who's looking for you know, the right ideas to support, people to support, uh, companies to invest money in. Yeah, knowing what you don't know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and asking the right people. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for offering your completely different yet somewhat aligned perspectives on I entrepreneurship. Very much we sadly <laughs> agreed on so much. Where can people find you both online? www.ready-school.org and, you know, on YouTube and LinkedIn and everywhere you're looking. On Google, you can find me on Google. Google is great. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that. <laughs> Thanks so much for Thank stopping you. in. Don't stop believing. for listening to episode 14 of Speak Like a CEO. Your hosts were Oliver Aust and Luna Carlson, production by Ariane Coulomb, editing by Céline van den Rue. Follow us everywhere at like a CEO underscore. See you next week. Bye.